Warning. Due to violent and disturbing content, listener discretion is advised. Creeps, welcome back to another riveting episode of Seeing Red. As always, I'm Nina, and I'm joined by my adorable co-ho, Becca. Thanks for hanging out Hello. with us today. <laughs> we hope you guys are staying safe out there and wearing your fucking masks. So last time we hit you guys with a fucked up unsolved case, but today we've got the deets. The original Bluebeard, or the French Dracula. Just an FYI, I know we have our normal disclaimer in our intro, but this shit today gets pretty dark and explicit. Um, so it involves child torture and murder. So if you're squeamish, maybe skip this one and go back to our other 11 episodes for some more lighthearted death and torture. <laughs> so without further ado, let's cuddle up and talk about murder. Where are we headed tonight, Bay? So tonight we're starting out in Brittany, which was a medieval state in the northwestern part of Europe, and it was eventually won over by France. And we're going to refer to it as Brittany because we're Americans. And around 1405, Giles de was born into a very affluent family, and he was raised with the best education and military training. After his parents ended up dying, he and his brother were raised by his maternal grandfather, who married him to heiress Catherine de Troyes. Um, together, they had one child named Marie. So from 1427 to 1435, he served as a commander in the Royal Army. And this was during the Hundred Years' War between France and England. And he was commended for his bravery on the battlefield. He was like this big badass. And an interesting note was that in 1429, he fought alongside Joan of Arc, and he was with her when the Siege of Orléans ended. So fun fact, the Hundred Years' War actually lasted 116 years, and it was a series of conflicts between England and France over who deserved the throne. And then Joan of Arc, for those of you who don't know and didn't go to Catholic school or ever watched that really good Mila Jehovovich movie. Um, she was this peasant chick who claimed that God chose her to lead France to victory during this war. And the crown prince was like, yup, that sounds legit. So he let her lead armies, which were often victorious. Um, so long story short, this bitch was either batshit crazy, super clever, or 
legitimately chosen by God? Probably not. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever Joan was, she ended up being burned at the stake by the English for heresy and witchcraft. And, like, I'm not sure how tight her and Giles Darius were, but, like, if you were on good terms with God, you figure he might have mentioned something to Joan about this fucked up dude that was fighting alongside of her. I don't know. Maybe God was busy that day. I don't know. Maybe she had selective hearing. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So after 1435, he withdrew from the military and public life, and he constructed the Chapel of the Holy Innocents and produced a play that translates to the mystery of the seas of Orleans. So he started selling off his assets to pay for his play, yet continued to live very lavishly. And there were 600 costumes used in this play. For some reason, they would only be worn once and then thrown out with new ones made for their next performance. Unlimited food and drink were offered to anyone attending the play, and it was so bad that his family appealed to King Charles... What's V-I-I mean? Seven. Seven? (laughs) King Charles VII? And it was decreed that no one under the king's rule was permitted to enter into contract with Giles. The poor thing only had two castles left by the time his production ended. Poor baby. Only two castles. Damn it. I know. And, like, this this kind of shit pisses me off. Because, you know, he's sitting there spending all this money and living this opulent lifestyle. And, you know, there were fucking people starving and freezing to death in France while this is all happening. Um, and I don't even know if his play did well. Like, I couldn't find anything on it. I had never heard of the play. Maybe it was a big hit in France or whatever. But I think he was just trying to gain some fame from his shenanigans with uh, Joan of Arc over there. It definitely appears that way. I mean, 600 costumes. Can you... That's could- just... I can't imagine that. 600 costumes being worn and then tossed away, not even, like, donated. I don't know if they had donations back then, but I'm sure there were some people who could use some frocks. But you're just like, eh, yeet it and make a new one. And I wonder how much they paid the people that had to sit there and sew all of these. Like, were they just paying for, like, the dress? Were they servants and they did that shit for free? Because I would fucking riot seriously if they got paid i'm sure it was a pittance yeah. so you know when you fail as a playwright uh the most natural n- you know next step in your life is to you know delve into the occult obviously so then in 1439 giles sent a- sent out a priest named ustache blanchet sorry for my french um, to find people who knew of alchemy and demon summoning. Blanchet found a cleric named Francois Perlotti who had magical books and agreed to help Giles in summoning this demon named Baron to acquire riches. But shockingly, after three attempts, Baron doesn't show. And Perlotti tells Giles that the Baron was unhappy with his worldly offerings and demands child parts instead. You know, why didn't you say that in the first place? 
So Giles provides these parts for the next invocation, but I guess the Baron was busy maybe playing chess with God that day because he ended up not showing up. Child parts. Yeah, it was very vague. Like, that could be, <laughs> like, you know, maybe some toenail clippings or, like, an eyeball. I don't know, you know, what demons were into back then. Well, what- a lot of people think that, like, with demons and everything, that, like, the child parts, because they're, like, virgin and they're, like, innocent, that's, like, they feed off of that shit. So... I'm sure any parts of a small child are going to do at this point. (laughs) It's some random finger. So killing kids was nothing new to Giles at this point, and he claims that he had been killing or ordering the killing of children since 1432. The first documented murder was of a 12-year-old apprentice named Judon. So Giles' cousins asked him to use the boy to send a message, and when the boy did not return, it was assumed that he was carried off somewhere by thieves. So we're assuming from what we know from history that this is before his military career actually ended, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I'm not, was he like home on leave? I'm not sure how the French military worked in the 1400s, but did he come home on leave and, you know, order up a boy or just kill boys? I I doubt he was doing it in the field. No, I would hope not. I mean, there's too many witnesses, unless people just really didn't give a fuck. Yeah, but there were young boys in the military then, and they could have been boys he was serving with, too. True. Mm. And then, I mean, if they find the body somewhere, who's going to say any different from a dead person from battle? His servants would procure children between the ages of 6 and 14, and they were usually boys from a nearby village. Then, like, in pure Bathory style, he'd lure the boys under the guise of serving as pages, which were young male servants, uh, in his castle, and then they'd never be seen again. Um, Sometimes young people would just, like, disappear from town, They'd be out running an errand or tending cattle, and then poof, they were just gone. Um, One boy frequently delivered bread to the castle, but one day he never returned, and, like, no one ever saw him again. That's so sad, like, with the Bathory story in this one. Like, obviously, depending on, like, how true and everything it's been, like, passed down through the years, they just get these, like... People are just like, oh, my kids are going to go help our family. And then, boop, gone. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, like these poor, you know, families, they think their children are going to be better off than they are. Like, moving up from their peasant lifestyle to, you know, something better. And really, they, you know, just ended up being victims of psychopaths. R.I.P. the homies. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I do find the age preference interesting um, because of the wide range there. So people who prey on, you know, sexually prey on the young tend to have like an age preference and each has its own categories. So everyone knows what a pedophile is, but more specifically, pedophiles prefer prepubescent victims, generally under the age of 12, um, depending on, you know, body development and things like that. Um, Hebophiles prefer um, pubescent victims 
usually ranging in ages of 11 to 14. And then there is ephebophobia. I can't say that word, but look it up. Ephebophilia. <laughs> Ephebophilia is a preference for mid to late adolescence, so from around 15 to 19. Um, Reyes seems to have a wider range here. It's not like he's going for victims of opportunity per se either. He sends his men out to fetch whatever he wants. So he could he could specify an age, but he his age preferences are are wider and that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean at the time I'm like wondering though like how much were like if he was getting all these kids that were coming into the castles like I mean I guess, like, yeah, it's not of opportunity, but I'm sure there's all ages of kids getting sent in there to try and, like, work off, like, their life. And he was just like, boop, abducted. Yeah, and I am curious um, how these these definitions, how they differ for gender. Because I feel like women or girls, they... um, develop in a more obvious way than boys do. So maybe this age range, it's still not obvious that they're quite men yet. So it's still, they still have that innocence that appeals to sick fucks like this, where where girls, they start to develop and they're clearly older than a quote unquote child. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. But moving along, so supposedly when he targeted a child, they would be pampered and dressed finely. They would be fed these large meals and served hippocras, which was a drink of warm wine with mixed in sugars and spices. And then they were taken to an upper room. So witnesses stated that Giles would essentially groom them treat them like they were his favorite and then he would gain their trust by giving them all this special attention and comment on how handsome they were because he's fucking gross and eventually he'd begin caressing and grabbing at them before he would eventually sodomize them talk about some fucking child grooming jesus christ right he was like the fucking master of child grooming imagine being you know a young man and all of a sudden you're getting all this attention and you know boys aren't taught to even look for this type of behavior even today you know men don't think other men are going to do this to them boys don't think an important man is going to do them. They do think they're special and then they're betrayed in the worst way possible. That's fucking terrifying. I hate it. I hate creepy men. Yes. So his body servant testified that he, quote, exercised his lust once or twice on the children. Then he killed them sometimes with his own hand or had them killed. Sometimes they were decapitated and dismembered. Sometimes he cut their throats, leaving the head attached to the body. Sometimes he broke their necks with a club. Yeah, this man is... This man's fucked. He clearly needs some fucking therapy or shock treatment. I'm going shock treatment. Lobotomy would be nice. Lobotomies scare me, though. But he deserves (laughs) a lobotomy. True. 
We'll ice pick them. Okay. Transorbital lobotomy. Okay, so then in 1440, Giles got into this dispute over some land with a priest. Um, some things I read said that the priest was his brother, but others don't say that. So I don't know. A priest nonetheless. Um, so apparently he kidnapped this priest, and this sparked a huge investigation. Uh, couldn't find out what happened to said priest brother man. Um, but in one of the castle towers, inquisitors found the remains of approximately 50 bodies. The Duke of Brittany pressed charges against Giles, and two trials followed. An ecclesiastical trial for the black mag magic accusations and a secular trial for the murders, which were, um, you know, the murders were said to be around 150 all told. Um, so, yeah, apparently it was common back then to have two different court systems. So you had your ecclesiastic trials, which were always religious based. And nine times out of ten had to do with like heresy and witchcraft and black magic and shit like that. And secular trials were non-religious. So like thievery and murder and, and whatnot. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. <laughs> okay, so during Giles' trial, he confessed. And this is an actual quote by him. Because of my passion and my sensual delectation, I took and caused to be taken a great number of children. How many I cannot say precisely. With them I committed the vice and the sin of sodomy, and I ejaculated spermatic seed in the most culpable manner on the belly of the children, before as well as after their deaths, and also while they were dying. Sometimes I beheaded them with daggers, with pointers, with knives, sometimes I beat them violently on the head with a stick or with other conductive instruments. Sometimes I suspended them in my room from a pole or by a hook and cords and strangled them, and when they were languishing, I committed on them sodomitic vice. So, he went on to state that after the children were dead, he'd embrace them and kiss them upon the most beautiful heads and the loveliest members. Um, he enjoyed having them cut open and looked at them while masturbating onto their organs. Um, he'd then have the bodies burned. Um, one witness actually stated that they overheard Giles once say that he took more pleasure in the murdering and torture of the children than he did in knowing them carnally. Which, Fucking Jesus fuck. Yeah. Like, really, you have to friggin' ruin their last moments, kill them, and then cut them open and nut on their insides? Like, what the fuck? So like, you didn't fucking desecrate them enough while they were alive. You have to further humiliate and, and own them. It makes me so sad because they were like, oh, like, oh, a better life. Like, I'm eating this giant hot meal. Like, I'm having a gay old time. And then literally gets taken upstairs and it's just so sad to me yeah like my heart bleeds so much for these these poor boys so giles dureus ends up being sentenced to death by both hanging and burning as were two of his accomplices um the three were to be executed on october 26 which happens to be my son's birthday um, of 1440, 
Reyes requested to die first. It said that he faced the gathering crowd with a contr- with contrite piety, preaching about salvation and all this other bullshit. Um, his last words were, quote, There is no sin, no matter how great, that God cannot pardon. He requested that his body not be burned fully because Christian doctrine states that the body must be whole and buried to be resurrected after Jesus' second coming. And for some fucked up reason, this piece of shit was granted that request because money or whatever, I guess. He ends up being hanged at 11 a.m., but removed before the fire, consumed him, and carried off by, quote, four ladies of high rank for burial. His accomplices, however, were hanged and burned to ash because fuck their poor asses. Like, how are you going to give him this, this... This, this request. How do you grant this request after he completely annihilated and, and destroyed these boys and their family? He deserves a place in heaven? Seriously? Well, if you repent your sins, you know. Fuck that. Those boys didn't get to fucking repent before they died. Do they get a place in heaven? Because they didn't get to be you know, buried and have a nice Christian funeral looking all pretty. No, they got, you know, I'm mad. I'm mad about it. Well, you know, they were probably like, oh, like, God forgives you, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. he probably cried about it, had money, and they were like, fine. Just toast him a little bit and get him the fuck out of here. Ugh. Hate it. So... And apparently French, these French people were all impressed by his penitence that they actually celebrated the anniversary of his execution by whipping their fucking kids. What the fuck, what the medieval fuck? French people? What the fuck? I just, I can't even fathom it, honestly. <laughs> okay, so did he do it? Obviously, yes, there has to be some kind of truth here, or else this wouldn't have made it all the way back to us in 2020, but there's some that actually question his guilt. Um, Some think that this whole thing was just a plot by the Duke of Brittany, who would inherit the De Reyes land after he died. So his they said that his confession was forced, and he admitted to the crimes to escape, escape excommunication from the church. But he literally admitted to raping dead kids, so I think excommunication was probably, like, on the bottom tier of his fucking worry (laughs) list. But Aleister Crawley claimed that he was merely a knowledge seeker who was villainized by the Catholic Church. Aleister Crawley was also batshit crazy, I'm just throwing it out there. Let's let's keep it real. So far, everyone in the medieval century is just fucking off the rockers. I don't know what was in the water. If I just whatever they were eating, shit's just fucked up. It's um, like maybe, maybe it's maybe some of it's exaggerated. Maybe some of, some of it's false. But I don't think they just pulled all this horrific shit out of their asses. Like, there has to be truth to it. You have to think about it. Like, if you relate it to now, like, 
these people have power. Obviously, we like already did Elizabeth Bathory, but we'll, like we'll probably do more cases from this time period. It's just people that have money and power taking advantage of people that don't have anything. And I mean, it's not like it still doesn't happen today. The same exact shit. They just have the money to fucking cover it up instead of getting in trouble for it. Yeah, and I am going to commend them for the punishment of people like Darius and Bathory. But it took so long to get to that point. Like, all of these poor people were dying for so long. We have 140 counts of murder here. Like, how long does it take you to figure that shit out? And it wasn't until some dispute over land that they even investigated it. They weren't even investigating the murders. They just happened to trip over some corpses when they went to his castle. People are always tripping over bodies around here. I hate it for them. I'm saying. So, like, whether you think it's true or not, like, we really have to, like, let's look at his confession. We're going to close with the end of his confession. Quote. These crimes and offenses I committed solely for my evil pleasure and evil delight to no other end with no other intention, without anyone's counsel and only in accordance with my imagination. So that's the fucked up story of Giles Zarez, and we hope you guys enjoyed it. Please join us next time as we talk about the Bulber Patrillo insurance fraud group. And as always, thank you for listening and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for extra content, episode announcements, and more. A special thank you to Zip Scribs for our gorgeous cover art. Make sure you hop over to his Instagram and show him some love. Extra special thanks to him for the voiceovers in this episode. Shout out to B. Almond for our kick-ass musical score and to Steven Sweeney, our patient and talented ed- editor. That's it for tonight. Until next time, remember to keep it creepy. End quote. <laughs>